You're listening to The Brazen Truth, where we talk about morality, sexuality, and spirituality according to the Bible. I'm Tiffany Cater, and today we are going to be talking about how to overcome childhood trauma, or really any trauma. Now, you all know that I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or even a counselor. So this is going to be more my thoughts and different things that I've researched. It helped me tremendously and I'm thinking that it might help a couple of you guys as well. The Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So let's navigate these waters together. It's time for the brazen truth. This topic is actually, it's talked about quite a bit, but I don't think that it's really addressed correctly a lot of the time. And I think people are a little bit afraid to, um, well, they they may just not know how to. So I'm just going to talk about a few things um, that helped me to process some things that happened when I was was really too young to remember fully what happened. Um, But these things really helped me to overcome the the feeling of helplessness that comes with um, a victim mentality that these things can often leave us battling. So first off, let's talk about what trauma is. Um, So trauma occurs when something happens that you are unable to master due to a lack of know-how or capacity to overpower. And this can happen at any point in life. So really this, this can help you with any kind of trauma. But oftentimes when you're a kid, you don't have the emotional or mental capacity to process these things or to even begin to understand what happened. Has happened. So there's there's three um, different things that you go through, different ways that you process trauma. First, you process trauma in the body. Second, you process trauma in the emotions. And third, you process trauma in your thoughts. Now, when we're kids and these things happen to us, a lot of times it doesn't get past the emotions um, or really sometimes it doesn't even get past the the body depending on what happens to you and what your uh, mental capacity is when that happens to you. Sometimes it doesn't even reach the emotions, but it can't go past the emotions because as a child, you don't exactly know what's happening. You don't really understand how to process the malevolence of it. And you don't really have a philosophy of evil. And I'll go into that in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about the purpose of um, the purpose of anxiety, the purpose of really PTSD, the purpose of having to reface the trauma over and over and over again in your memories, because there's a reason our brain functions in a certain way. There's actually a reason for anxiety. Okay, the point of anxiety is not to make you live in the past. It's not just like a malfunction in the brain. Your brain is actually working like it's supposed to be working. It's warning you that there is a threat. It works as an alarm system and it's designed that way. It's designed to cipher threats and establish how to go about diffusing them and to teach you how to address them if they reoccur. 
So when you suffer with a lot of anxiety or PTSD, or you are continually tormented with these thoughts of fear um, about things that have happened in the past, whether it's this kind of trauma, sexual abuse, or whether it's bullying as a young kid, or whether it's some kind of physical abuse, maybe from an adult, or whatever events your mind tends to bring you back to and cause you to relive over and over and over again. That's your alarm system. And it's not going to go away until you train your brain how to deal with this kind of a crisis if it should reoccur. Now, a lot of you might think, well, of course it won't reoccur because I'm an adult. I know better now. But you need to take your mind back to that place and establish an alternative ending. Okay, so when I say that, I mean make something up in your mind of how you would relive that moment. Now, this alternative ending is not based on reality. It doesn't have to um, live in the confines of science or physics or something that's realistic. For example, I used to have really bad dreams. And when I would have these bad dreams, I would wake up in the middle of the night and they were so bad that I, I could not go back to sleep. I would just lay awake for hours thinking about this dream, trying to put it out of my mind, and I just wouldn't be able to go back to sleep until I started doing this thing that at first I thought was kind of silly, but it worked, so I kept doing it. Um, I would close my eyes, and I would make up a different ending to the dream in my mind. And of course, this different ending would end well for me. After I did that and I established that alternate ending in my imagination, I was able to go back to sleep. This also helped when I faced a lot of anxiety about violence. Um, like there was a, a string of mass shootings. Um, there was one at a school or a couple of, at schools. There was one at a church. And whenever these things would pop up in the news again, I would find myself um, just really afraid where, where wherever I'd go, um, thinking, what if there's a mass shooting? Now, this wasn't like a debilitating fear, but it was always just lurking there in the back of my mind stealing my peace. So to help me deal with that anxiety, um, what I did, and it's it's not a, a practical thing. If that were to happen, it probably wouldn't help me much, but it helped me to really stifle the anxiety that was stifling me. I started imagining what I would do in that situation. Now, I know everyone tries to think, oh, I would do this, I would do that, but you never really know until you're in that situation. But this exercise was not for the purpose of really establishing a game plan um, if I were in that situation. This is more of a mental processing strategy, okay? So I would just come up with these scenarios um, in my mind, in my imagination, these stories. If this happened, then this is what I would do. And it would always end up looking like The Matrix or, you know, some awesome superhero movie, action movie, karate chop. You know, I'd know how to do all these um, these ninja moves in, in my imagination that I don't actually know how to do. But um, when I would do this, I found myself uh, left with so much peace, 
so much peace. Um, not that all of your fear and anxiety completely melts away um, when using this strategy, but this was before I even studied about this particular method at all. And I found that it helped me so much. So when I came across um, Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but when I came across him addressing um, PTSD or how to work past trauma, he is a clinical psychologist and he is just one of my favorite people to listen to. Um, But when I came across him talking about this, it made so much sense. And a lot of people have accused him of saying, um, of of victim blaming with this strategy because what you have to do is you have to take your mind and you have to go back to that particular moment in time and ask yourself, how did that bullying or abuse come about? You also have to ask yourself, what, if anything, did I do to make myself vulnerable or what situation made me vulnerable? And you also have to ask, how should I change my perceptions so that this isn't likely to happen again? Okay, so these are the the questions that he specifically says that we should ask ourselves. And a lot of people misconstrue that as victim blaming because, of course, as a little child, you didn't do anything that brought that about. But at the same time, if you take your mind and you take away all the weapons that your imagination has to deal with those things, and tell yourself you are helpless, you were helpless, and you always will be helpless, it really disarms you against the enemy's plan to cause you to be overwhelmed with anxiety and PTSD on these situations. You have to be able to take yourself back to that moment and arm yourself. Again, this isn't a realistic approach. This is something to help your mind process through the body, through the emotions, and through the thought process of healing and overcoming. So the way through PTSD, the way through becoming a victim to becoming a victor is by making yourself a threat, making yourself a force to be reckoned with. If you don't see yourself as dangerous to threats, then you can't see yourself as capable of dealing with them. The purpose of memory is not to represent the past. Why remember the past? So that the future is better. If you're having trouble reliving the past over and over and over again, it's because you haven't mined the experience for all the lessons that the past could teach you. So I mentioned this earlier. One of the ways that you can go about working through these things and these scenarios in your mind is to develop a philosophy of evil. When you're a child, you don't really possess this kind of knowledge. You don't have a philosophy of evil. Everyone is good. You're good. The world is good. The world is beautiful, which is why you can't really process it. But there's a danger there. There's a danger when you don't have a philosophy of evil. A philosophy of evil is understanding that people have the very real potential of evil. A philosophy of evil is understanding that people have the very real potential of evil. And that includes you. That includes me. Now, some people don't understand the benefit in believing that. They want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not saying that don't believe in the best in people. But what I'm saying is acknowledging that malevolence is a real thing and that we are all capable of it. And if you don't understand that and you don't realize it, a couple of things can happen. Firstly, you 
trust anyone and everyone who comes around. Like, let's say, Eve in the garden. Um, A snake came and started talking to her, and she trusted the snake. If a snake comes and starts talking to you, you don't trust it. We kind of have a built-in system that tells us snakes are bad, they bite, we're afraid of them, right? You you put a snake in front of a cat, it freaks out. It's part of nature. It's, It's something that's designed to help us recognize malevolence. If you are unable to recognize that the world is full of malevolence, then you will be unable to recognize malevolence when it's at your door. The second reason for this is if you can acknowledge your potential for malevolence, you're less likely to walk down that road because you know where it is. You know how someone can get there and you know what to stay away from. For instance, when a kid becomes a bully, do you think that they really know that they're a bully? Most of the time, they don't. And kids are cruel. We've heard people say that our whole lives. Kids can be cruel. They say the meanest things, and when we're a kid and um, another kid says something really mean to us, that goes with us, right? That hurts for a long time. A lot of people get really messed up by things that um, bullies not just do, not just physical violence, but also say, or they make fun of you, or they gang up on you and ridicule you, or whatever it is. And, you know, they're laughing. That's joy to them. They think it's funny. They think it's it's pure, that it's good. You know, sometimes they might recognize maybe this is a little bit mean, but they don't think they're the bad guy in the story, okay? They don't think they're the bad guy in the story, and that's because they don't understand their own capacity for malevolence. They don't understand that they can potentially be the bad guy. People like to think that they would never become the guards who perpetrated the horrific um offenses that took place during the Holocaust. They think, not me, I would never do those things. But the fact of the matter is that if you don't recognize how they got there, then you have more of a potential to become that type of person. So a philosophy of evil is necessary and it's important to overcoming these things from our past. And if you look at the Bible, the philosophy of evil is weaved in and out of scripture all throughout the Bible. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Whatever happened to he's got the whole world in his hands? <laughs> no, this verse says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Now, 1 John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, we might read that first verse and say, okay, that doesn't really bring me very much peace because I happen to live in the world. And if it's under the control of the evil one, then what hope do we have? But Jesus says, you will have trouble in this life because there is malevolence in this world. After the fall, malevolence happened. And that's in us, that's out of us, that's in this whole world. But Jesus says, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world that's in you, and I have overcome the world that's around you. Matthew 10, 16 says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I'm going to read that again. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. If you don't take anything else away from this episode, take that verse. That pretty much sums it up. 
You know, even Paul was able to understand the potential of malevolence in his own heart. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And going back to that um, strategy that I applied for my dreams, I started having my kids apply the same strategy when they would wake up from a nightmare. I would have them imagine an alternate ending, and if it's about a monster, how they would destroy the monster. If it was about being alone, what they would do if they were alone. And I'm telling you guys, this strategy stopped those dreams in their tracks because it's something our minds need to do. Address the crisis and learn how to overcome it. Doing these things will turn off that alarm system that continually brings up these traumatic events in our minds. So if you struggle with these reoccurring memories, or um, I don't even want to say memories because you can't just wipe your mind from memories, but um, these tormenting thoughts of the past, then I just challenge you, get a notebook, get a journal, and I mean, you can try to do this in your mind, but it might help to kind of um, write out the scenario and write out what you would do. Again, your approach to the situation does not have to be based on reality, okay? It can be based on whatever you can come up with in your mind and write out what you would do. Now, I know today's episode was a little bit of a heavy one, but I really wanted to address this. And again, um, these are just ways that I have helped myself um, work through these things. Just give it a try and let me know if it works for you. Let me know what your thoughts are about this. You can find me on Facebook at The Brazen Truth. You can message me there or you can leave your comment below. Next episode, we are going to be talking about something that has been a huge part of my life, pun intended. We are going to be talking about obesity. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I need to work on my humor. Um, (laughs) I'm not really sure how vulnerable I'm going to be with you guys yet, but we're going to talk about um, my experience with it, um, or experiences, I should say, uh, how to address it, what causes it, different things like that, because I am working on changing some things and you guys are along for the ride. So maybe we can change some things together. But if you have anything um, specifically you want me to address, I'm not really going to be talking about diets. I'm going to be talking about the psychology behind um, um, obesity, eating disorders, things like that, and, um, and a strategy. And a strategy. Because the strategy is psychological, okay? Guess what? Guess which diet is the best diet to use for you to lose weight when you're super overweight. Whichever one works, whichever one works. And guess what? They all work if you follow it. So really the problem is in your mind, not in which diet you're choosing. It's all in your head. So we're going to be talking about those things. If you have any thoughts about that, please let me know so that we can talk about it. So like, subscribe, comment, share, and let's talk about it. Join me next episode on The Brazen Truth, which will be June 10th. Until then, goodbye and good riddance. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, Just goodbye. (laughs) 